What's up everyone, Josh White here and just wrapped up an episode of the Hero Front Podcast with my friend and mentor, Master Sergeant Amanda Smith-Taylor. I asked her to be on the podcast because she recently, about six months ago, was selected as the Wing Career Assistance Advisor. Now this is a resource that every airman needs to know about. It helped me uh, retrain out of age in public health and it can help many other airmen retrain uh, PME opportunities or if they wanna become an officer. If any of those apply to you, please check this episode out. But not only did she explain the position, she goes into the behind the scenes. What does it mean to her as a person? Look, she's the real deal. She actually cares about her airmen like they're her own family. And it has always inspired me and fired me up. Without further ado, this is my friend, Sergeant Smith-Taylor, on the top five lessons learned as the Wing Career Assistance Advisor. Let's get after it. What's up everyone, Josh White here. We're gonna find out today how to what the job entails and how someone like her can help you out with your Air Force career. But what I did not tell you, even before this interview, is that I'm gonna put you through the hero's gauntlet. <laughs> which are questions that I just came up with before uh, we hopped on here. Awesome. <laughs> so first question, what superhero do you connect with the most? Um, I'm going to go cliche, but I'm going to say Wonder Woman. I don't think um, that's too cliche. I mean, Wonder Woman's a badass. <laughs> she is. My daughter thinks that I look like her, so I'm going to take that. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, she's, she's trying to soften me up for something. Um, but yeah, just not being afraid to be that strong female president presence. Have you seen superhero girls on Netflix? No. So it's a new uh, cartoon about all the superhero girls are in high school together. And Wonder oh, Woman is kind of like their ringleader. And she is okay. nuts in that show. Like <laughs> they did a great job. Like she's my favorite character, hands down. So highly <laughs> recommend to, that cartoon. Is that something I can watch with Amelia? It's on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll have She'd to probably watch like it. it. Probably. Okay. Question number two. What quote do you live by? By, uh, from Francis, uh, St. Francis of Assisi, start by doing what's necessary, then do what's possible, and suddenly you are doing the impossible. Oh, dang, I like that. That's deep. I, it's um, not too deep for me, but yeah, it is one of those, like I think, um, gets people really out of their, uh, for me, out of my shell and out of my comfort zone. Um, and knowing that you can kind of just take one step at a time and you're where you never thought you would be. Progress. Yes. Okay. No, I love that. That's great. And I love how like, there's always that quote that everyone has that you have to remind yourself of sometimes, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. you have to just sit back and be like, let me read that quote again. Yes. Yep. All right. Number three, where do you hope to be at the end of your career? Well, um, I hope to be ready to um, what I call be an adult on my own um, after it'll be 20 plus years at the end of my career, um, just confident, prepared um, to step into the next chapter and start a whole new, a whole new life, a whole new career, and hopefully continue to be able to support um, my family and, and keep them happy and healthy easy nice. <laughs> i like it 
All right, number four, what is your proudest Air Force moment? Um, <laughs> I think I have two. Um, the first one, funny enough, is just graduating basic. My family showed up to basic training not knowing if they were going to see me. Um, ran into some issues while I was there. So just getting through basic was one. So you're looking at 18 years ago when that happened, more than that now. But um, And then um, when I made master, um, I never thought it was possible. I thought that tech sergeant was where I was gonna end. Never stopped trying and obviously you never start, you know, you never stop giving the Air Force everything you have. But um, when they handed me that stripe, I said some words um, because I had, I just was completely shocked and, uh, yeah, that was probably a big one. So as we both know, uh, in the air force, they, they've made master sergeant, uh, really hard to get these days. So how did you pull that off? So it, I was, um, I made it the last year of testing. <laughs> so maybe it wasn't <laughs> as, uh, as difficult as it would be now. But um, just doing my job and doing it to the best that I possibly could. And at that point, I had started to learn how to take care of those around me and realize that it's not just Sergeant Smith Taylor making it happen. It's all of her airmen, you know, the NCOs beside her making it happen. And so kind of showing that teamwork on everything and just, again, kicking butt at your job. Nice. I think uh, for me, because I struggle with it um, straight up, I struggle with it big time. And I was just hell bent on making it by like the third year <laughs> that I tried. Uh, <clears throat> and I did everything I was supposed to and it still didn't happen. And then at that point, I just changed my whole mindset, pretty mm -hmm. much gave up on it and said, you know, I think there's such a thing as trying too hard. 100%. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're at that point, it rubs people the wrong way. And just, mm -hmm. it's just not going to work out, you know, when you're trying that hard. Right. And then once I, you know, flipped that switch and I just tried to make everyone around me better, magically it happened. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a coincidence. Nope. Team... I am a, a firm believer in teamwork, no matter what. I grew up playing sports. It has just been drilled into me and it continues. And it, I would not be where I am if it were not for anybody that I worked with throughout my career. Definitely. And then I have one bonus question here that came up when I was reading that form that I had you fill out, which you didn't complete, yeah. but that's okay. It's okay. Uh, Don't judge me. <laughs> The one thing that threw me on there was that you, it said you don't like confrontation mm -hmm. and you're a, a tough New England gal. <laughs> I wouldn't want to piss you off. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see that. What's the story behind that? Um, it, even thinking about it right now, I'm sweating. Don't know. I, um, I don't know if it's because I'm the firstborn and like, I'm just this people pleaser and I just want to make sure like everybody's happy. And so therefore, if we're having a confrontation and that means that you're not ha happy with me, um, 
Yeah, I, I don't do well. And you know, what's funny is my husband brought that up the other day because he said every time he meets and like, if he goes to a work function, they're like, oh my gosh, you're married to Sergeant Smith Taylor. She's so scary. But I'm like, I don't think that I'm very scary. I don't know if it's my face. I don't know what it is. It's that New England accent. I guess so. But um, I try to be as, um, you know, open and I don't want to say accommodating, but you know what I mean? You have to be accommodating to some, to some level, um, especially, you know, when you, when it comes to taking, you know, care of other people, but um, yeah, I just, I hate telling, um, people, no, I hate having to kind of, I don't know, I can't fully explain why I don't like it, but it just sends me over the, the edge. Simple, it's the simple answer is you're a people pleaser. I mean, that's really 100%. Yeah. It's the simple answer. And, uh, I'm, I'm yeah. a people pleaser too. <laughs> I think it's like, you know, your biggest strength and your biggest weakness kind of thing. And, Mm-hmm. I read somewhere that like children of divorce turn into people pleasers. I don't know if that's true, mm-hmm. but I mean, that's, that's, you know, maybe somewhere to look, I don't know. Um, no, my, I, yeah, my mom, she, I've, I've been this way since I, yeah. So who knows? Okay, so throw that theory out the window. Um, <laughs> throw that one out. <laughs> so I, I knew you at Luke Air Force Base. Yes. And that Whiteman Air Force Base. But when we first met, it was at Luke Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I was pretty scared of you straight up. <laughs> yeah. And I think I, looking back, I think it's because you were put under a tremendous amount of pressure to basically fix a neglected program, which is always stressful. And mm-hmm. I think you were just so stressed about that, that it came off as you were <laughs> angry. I, that's my best guess. But I was always like, I was always like, I, I got to be nice to this lady. Like, I. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I'm definitely, um, you know, if an AFI tells me to do it, I'm doing it. And that, like you said, that was my job when you met me was to get that program back up and running. And so to me, it was kind of, I had to put the fun and games to the side and get that job done. But then, you know, we started talking and you started to get to know me and I'm not that bad. <laughs> I really got to know you at Whiteman. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, you know, you're when you go to a new base, you don't expect to see someone you know. So, you know, that <clears throat> jumped out at me right away. So right. I'm really glad I got to know you though. You're not mean. You're super nice. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> All right. So let's uh and before we hit those top five lessons learned mm-hmm. from being a career assistance advisor. Uh, let's hear your Air Force story a little bit on how you got to this point in your career. Okay. So uh, I started off like everybody going to basic training. I really don't want to say the date, but I went um, October 8th of 2002. Seems like a long time ago, but at the same time, it doesn't. Um, so after that, um, I was a weapons troop, so aircraft armament systems. And my first base was Davis Monthan in Tucson. And while I was there for two years, we deployed to Bagram, um, did some damage there. It was a great learning experience. I was able to go off base one time and kind of see how um, females were treated there. Uh, it was very eye-opening, it made me even more happy to be born where I was. Um, and then I went to RAF Lake and Heath from there, which is in England. And I was there for seven years and I met my husband 
there um, who is British and uh, we had our two kids. And then um, after seven amazing years there, uh, I retrained to, into education and training and went to Luke, which obviously is where I met Josh. And I was a training manager for a whole bunch of different sec uh, sections, squadrons, units, whatever groups. And after an amazing four years in the beautiful Phoenix weather, they um, decided that Whiteman Air Force Base needed Tech Sergeant Amanda Smith-Taylor. And we came on over to Missouri and I was a training manager for um, a couple of units. I was able to be the superintendent for maintenance training, which was amazing, able to have an impact on, you know, 18, 18, yeah, 1800 um, airmen in the maintenance um, careers service in the, the wonderful B2, right? Doing the flyovers and stuff like that. So that was, that was kind of cool. And then I was given the opportunity to continue to try to take care of airmen um, in being able to apply for the career assistance job, which is a special duty. And so I had to put in my package. I had to be interviewed, which was very scary because I have never interviewed in my whole life, right? Because I came in, never had to, <laughs> didn't have to interview for anything. So, um, but I took that job over in August and it has been amazing. I'm extremely happy to be in this job and I am glad that I'll be able to finish my career in this, uh, in this position and hopefully do some good while I'm here. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, you mentioned that your husband, uh, you met him in England. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I ever met him at Luke. I don't think I ever saw him, but at White Men, no. we ran into each other at Buffalo Wild Wings, mm -hmm. which, you know, in Warrensburg, Missouri was a big deal. <laughs> like before uh, you have to drive an hour away. So to have, you yeah. know, B-dubs right there is pretty awesome. And then, uh, you know, I held the door and he's like, oh, thank you, mate. And I'm like, what the, what in the what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> messing with me. Yeah, no, he's not. No, he's, he's legit. He is <laughs> from England and uh, yeah. he talks really cool. Yes. Great guy. Mm -hmm. We met playing rugby. I used to play rugby. So maybe that's why people are scared of me. I don't know. That's like the most England romance story I've ever heard. I mean, and in a pub, in the rugby club pub, that's where we met. I mean, you Doesn't really get can't get any more, more British than that. That's it. <laughs> okay. So for those listening who are not familiar with a wing career assistance advisor, otherwise known as a CAA, can you fill us in on what that job is? So it is, it's a lot, uh, different, um, Oh, all different parts. So the main one that everybody kind of thinks of when they think of the career advisor is retraining, um, which is helping, you know, somebody get a different career path. Maybe they've grown up, they've changed, um, and they want a different job. Maybe they can no longer do the job that they signed up for. So we try to get them into a different job. Um, so that's one, one thing that I can, um, I help with and I, Aaron come in and I counsel them. Um, I also oversee FTAC, which is the first term airman course. So I have, um, somebody that 
works uh, for me and they run that five-day co uh, course for the brand new airmen when they get to Whiteman. I also um, oversee and sometimes facilitate, depends on what's needed, the Airman Professional Enhancement Seminar, the um, Non-Commissioned Officer um, Professional Enhancement, and then the Senior Non-Commissioned Officer uh, Professional Enhancement. So those are kind of the four main professional development type classes that I would oversee. And then when units ask, when... Um, things come up across the base that maybe we need a little bit more attention to. Um, I normally will have my hands uh, hands in that. So just recently, one of the, the units, they um, are kind of standing down certain days of the week and they wanted to cover some different professional development ones. And one of them was retraining and nothing against any senior leaders, but they were going to, they just asked for my slides. And I said, Hey, nope, I got this. Um, I will go ahead and I will brief it. So I um, conducted seven retraining briefs in one day. So um, it was a lot of talking, but it was hundred percent worth it because the units needed it. So. Dang. That's awesome. <laughs> so lots of uh, helping airmen, Lots mm -hmm. of coordinating developmental events. Yes. And uh, you're kind of located in the perfect spot because you have an auditorium in that building. Mm -hmm. FTAC's right next door to you, I think. Where you're yeah. sitting. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. Yeah, um, the biggest, I will say, just to plug, the biggest, biggest job for a career advisor is the counseling. Is um, I, I offer, I have a couch and a window. Okay, I, I think I have made it. In the Air Force, I have a couch and a window in my office. So it took me a while, but I got it right. But I always offer I always offer that to airmen if they're not sure where they're wanting to go in the Air Force, um, and they can just come and sit and talk it out, and we can, you know, figure it out together. So it doesn't mean like they I'm gonna help them, you know, just leave the, all of their leadership behind. It's what's let's find out what's best for you and continuing in the air force. So your job really is to keep them in the air force. If that's what's best for them, the right. airmen are what the airmen are, what uh, is, are what are important to me and what my job is, is the airmen. So do, when they come and see you, do they realize they're going to be spending a lot of time, like talking to you and kind of having to express themselves and open up to you? Like, do they know that coming in or is that something that just kind of naturally happens? Um, I think you'll obviously get some airmen that will just word vomit to you, right? And they'll tell you everything that you need to know. And then you have others that will just ask you very pointed questions. Hey, this is what I want to do. How do I do it? And then you help them from there. But um, when you get somebody who maybe um, can't go the path that they were hoping to go, that's when we can really sit down and be like, okay, hey, what if this can't happen? What can we do? Or, hey, you still have two years until you're eligible to retrain. What can we do for the next two years to keep you from being miserable, you know, still having a great impact on you know, in the work center, maybe outside of the work center? What can we do to, you know, help, help build you, right, and help strengthen you? Like there's a lot you can do in a job you don't like and use that time wisely yes. versus being miserable every single day and wanting to quit. Yep. 
exactly. So you, you help really keep their head in the game. I, I try, but I also, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to tell them, Oh, just suck it up. You'll be fine. Um, I have built a great relationship with our in-service recruiters here at Whiteman. Um, and I would, I would like to assume that that's kind of how it is in other bases because what if active duty is not right for them? What if that doesn't help them achieve their goals? Maybe going to the guard or reserve units will help them, right? And maybe, yeah. So um, giving them options and then sometimes, you know, having to give it to them straight and being like, hey, I don't think, um, you know, I, I don't think we're headed in the right direction or, you know, or it's going to happen. So. Right. And uh, for anyone that hasn't retrained, um, I retrained. I used to be aged. Now I'm public health. And the reason this job uh, that she's describing is so important is because typically when you retrain for the first time, you have no idea how to. It's one of those things that sounds really simple. But then when you actually try to do it, you realize you have no clue even where to start <laughs> at all. Like, what are the rules? Like, when can right. I retrain? What, where's this website? What documents do I need? How do I know what jobs are available? Like it, it's very overwhelming and you have a, a small little window of time to make that happen. So, you know, definitely use the CAA on your base. If, if retraining is on your mind at any point in your career. Okay. So let's go into the top five lessons learned. So what is the, the first lesson learned here? Um, the need for preparation and research. Preparation so, and research. Okay, let's hear it. Yes. Uh, so mainly in with retraining, um, and this is where I always really beg for leadership for, the, for any NCOs, even airmen to airmen, um, as soon as they hear somebody talking about wanting to retrain, I always say your next sentence needs to be, have you talked to Sergeant Smith Taylor? Because if I can get an airman into my office and we can go through what is needed, um, if, if they're in their window, like you talked about, we have, there's an eight month window and eight months honestly goes pretty fast when you think about it. And so if I can get them in, in the office and we can go line by line, to make sure that either they meet the requirements they're, and they're in their, their window, the job is available, right? Because like you said, you have to go to all these, all these sites, right? And you have to look up all, the, all these different requirements and that's my job, right? I know where to go to. I can read between the lines and things like that. And so um, I was working with uh, an airman today. I did a, a little Zoom meeting with her because uh, she's on maternity leave and she is looking at retraining. And when I went through to, you know, see when her window was, it doesn't open until October of this year. And I was like, but this is perfect because it gives you all of that time to get ready and to really like know what you want to do. Um, because some people, they'll just be like, oh, I just want to retrain. And then they come and see me and they only have two months left in their window. And now we're trying to rush around, you know, to make sure that we have everything. So, gotcha. um, so you, you research and prepare yourself and then you help them do the same really. Yes, exactly. And I, I, I really enjoy working with the airmen through the process 
Um, I am very, uh, I guess, old school in that way. <laughs> my, uh, my grades start to show when that happens because um, I like to show them the sites that I go to. I like to show them what, um, what documents I'm looking, I'm looking at to find this information. And then that way, when they're not in my office, they know where to get it. And then they can continue their, you know, their research, their preparation. They can share information and hopefully not have, you know, a situation where the airman just stops trying to retrain or just gives up because they don't know what to do. And so with that, um, with the preparation and research, there's a, like a quiz out there um, on MyPERS, which I'll talk about MyPERS in a minute, but there's a, a new test. It's called the Air Force Work Interest Navigator. I don't know how new it is, but they talked they talk to us about it in our training and it's 50 something questions and it, it helps you see like the jobs that you're best paired with basically. And a lot of times that's a great starting point for airmen because maybe they came in just to get a job, you know what I mean? With whatever job the Air Force gave them. Is this a quiz that's like, based on your response, these jobs would be good for you? Yes. Oh, wow. Right. That's okay. really helpful. Cause they, well, for one, they don't yes. even know all the jobs that are out there. So yeah, that could be There's pretty eye-opening. 136, 136 jobs. Wow. Yes. And so, yeah, I read, I, I took mine in July just because, you know, I, I can't expect somebody to do something if I haven't done it. Right. And I don't know, I wouldn't be able to explain it to them if I hadn't done it. And so what was my, your number one job? Religious affairs. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. So, and then, um, see, you enough, nice. though, I knew it. See, number five was education and training which was the job that I did for eight years before and um, because I was just uh, curious I went to go and look what armament systems would have been and it was 25 out of 136 so honestly I didn't do too shabby at 17 years old picking my job but (laughs) right I changed at, at 26 it wasn't what I wanted to be doing anymore but anyway, so it'll ask you questions like I enjoy working outside and you will, it's got the five answers that we're used to, you know, strongly agree, agree, neutral, disagree, and strongly disagree. And so you just go through and you answer all those questions that way. And it'll give you like a percentage of how well you're matched with that job. And then it also gives you a very brief description of the job. Um, and it will also give you like where the tech school is and how long the tech school is. Um, and then there's some other little, uh, filters in there. Like they can put their ASVAB scores in there to see if they need to retake an ASVAB, um, if their scores aren't high enough for a job that they, they really want to do. Wow. That is super helpful. Like (laughs) I had to find all that out through basically trial and error, you know, back when I retrained. But I think it brings up another good point. The process and the resources are always changing. Mm -hmm. So when Airman asked me, how'd you retrain? I'm like, don't ask me. Like it, 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 yes. 100%. Whatever I did is not happening now. I can tell you that. So. Yep. Exactly. Okay. So let's go to lesson number two. 
Mm-hmm. And what you were saying about the resources always changing, that leads us right into number two, and that is the use of MyPERS, um, which off the Air Force portal, right? We have a link to it. Um, I call it uh, the Air Force Google because if there's any sort of program out there, you can type it in the search bar of MyPERS and it will bring it up. So if somebody was looking into commissioning, they could put commissioning program up in the top and uh, the uh, personnel delivery guides will come up, all of those um, type, all of that type of information. But MyPERS is the main site where um, you can get into information about education. You can get information on um, like retirement, promotions, um, reenlistments, everything. And obviously the little retraining button is on there too. And so when you click on the retraining, that's where you'll get all the other tools needed to help you prepare and help your research, you know, to start uh, retraining. Um, and that's where you'll find that Air Force Work Interest Navigator is on that retraining page of MyPERS. But um, the use of MyPERS, I, it, I don't want to say it's scary because I, I can't, I remember being, you know, a senior airman and just kind of going through the motions and listening to my leadership and whatever they said went. And I wasn't going to question them because, hey, they've been in longer than me, right? They know more than me. Um, but getting them to know, hey, my purse is out there and anybody can go on there. And if you want to learn something about whatever program, just type it in and you'll find it. Nice. I like that. The Google for the yeah. Air Force. That's, yeah. I've never heard it said that way, but you know, that does uh, paint a picture. I, how, yeah, I use, how to it. use it. Yeah, I use it a lot. Um, I'm trying to get uh, more educated on commissioning programs and I'm on my purse all the time. So Awesome. Okay. Yes. I'm on my pers uh, often too, not for the same reasons, but I mean, there's so many different yep. you know, reasons you would be on that, that program. Yeah. Okay. Let's roll into lesson number three. What is it? Um, being able to work through situations or maybe willing to work through situations. Uh, only six months and not one single airman that has come into my office is going through the same thing. And like we talked about in the beginning, what my job is, is being able to just sit there and listen to them and see what they need and whether they are retraining in their window, or maybe they're not because they were deployed, or maybe they had um, been picked up for retraining and then they got an assignment and their assignment trumps their retraining, but now they want to, they still want to retrain after they get to their new assignment. So just being willing, um, taking it step by step, right, and um, getting the that that very foundation of knowledge to see where you have to go in order to support that airman. And sometimes it's not pretty. Um, I just had one recently where I, I looked through the documentation um, and I was lost. And this airman attempted to retrain back in um, 2019, but because she got so confused and nobody was helping her, she just stopped. 
And now she, you know, she's come back and she says, I still want to retrain. This is still something that I want to do. So, okay, let's work through it. Let's see what our options are. And, you know, she's going to, we're doing an exception to policy letter for her as well. Um, well, her and her commander, obviously. So but it yeah, sounds just, like what you're saying is there's no A, B, C, D steps. There's no straight line. Here's step one, here's step two. Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist. It's going to be a different process for everyone's situation and what they're trying to achieve. Right. So you'll have like, so you'll have one, you know, steps one through 10 or whatever, but then you'll, you'll have like, you know, some airmen might need to go to step 1.3. Right. And then other ones might, so they kind of, you know, end up almost doing that, that tree effect. Like this is what you, where you want to start. Right. And we just want to go down and down, but we might have to veer and do, you know, some, some, some side roads and some off-roading but we'll eventually get back on that, on that path. So I, I remember from my own experience, I hit, and I don't, I wish I remembered all of them, but I don't, but I hit roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. Right. And I feel like someone like you and your position would, I mean, you're helping them get past these roadblocks that are bound to happen. Yes. Um, and I've heard the same is true for trying to be an officer too. A lot of people run into roadblocks uh, on that route as well. Yeah. The commissioning is, um, it's a whole other, uh, I don't want to call it a can of worms, but uh, it is, unfortunately it's uh, like I said, I'm, I'm still trying to learn it, but um, it's, it seems, it seems like there are so many veering roads that yes, people just, they get frustrated, um, but I will say the education office, especially at Whiteman, they are great with helping uh, airmen through figuring out maybe what what's the right path for commissioning. But yeah, I 100% agree with that statement. So yeah, I definitely appreciate you know someone in your position to help with that because what you don't want is kind of what you described. You run into that roadblock or confusion. And that airman sits on that information, suddenly they're not in their window anymore and they didn't even realize it. Right. So you help them get past these roadblocks so they can, you can get them to where they want to go with that small window. So that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's the next one? What's number four? Uh, so this one, we're going to try to, we're going to stay positive on this one, um, okay. but it is the uh, supervisor and leadership impact um, that they can have on, on these airmen. And again, I, there's gonna be no finger pointing because we're human, we all make mistakes. Um, this is everything from just not supporting the airmen, from giving them bad information. And sometimes giving that bad information is not any fault of theirs. It's maybe what, what they knew, maybe what they went through when they were going through whatever. Um, but yeah, just, like I said, not supporting, uh, not giving them information. Um, and then just not, yeah, just like not being helpful. Um, and this can be even not with retraining. This is for professional development as a whole, because the, like the airman professional enhancement course that Whiteman offers is not mandatory for airmen. It is something that we offer once an airman has been on base for two years or after FTAC, I should say, after they complete FTAC, two years, 
but it just gives them a little bit of an opportunity to, to get back to some of the, the information that they need to be a great airman and remind them of the services that the base has to support them. And, but with something that's not mandatory, you know, having leadership back them and allow them to go to these classes to better themselves, which hopefully ends up bettering the work center. I mean, in my, in my mind, that's how, that's how it should work and would work. Um, you know, when, when I think about my own story again, with retraining, um, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, and I think there's a, a good way for a supervisor to handle an airman trying to change their career. And there's a bad way to mm -hmm. handle it. Right. Right. Um, and from my own personal experience, and I tell all the airmen that want to retrain this right here, and I'm sure you do too. And that is if you're on the path to retrain, I always warn them on how they present that idea back in the workplace. Yes. Because what you don't want to do is give them the impression that you think that current job is beneath them and that this other job, you know, is just better all the, better for personal reasons, right? Like you're right. giving them the vibe that you're too good to be there. That that's what I warn them on. Yes. You don't uh, want to burn. You do not want to burn bridges because you know, you never, what if you don't go, what if you don't make it through tech school? Guess what? you're going right back <laughs> to where you were and, you know, having to work with, you know, with these guys and, or and girls, but um, that on that path that you were talking about with how they're talking back in their units, I foot stomp communication so many times when I talk about retraining. Um, or anything, any, anything career-based. Cause what I remind these airmen is that it is not my It's, it's their career. It's not my career. It's not their supervisor's career. We are here to help support them and guide them in that career. I'm going to give you what you, you know, the guidance that you need and what you do with it is all on you. But if I don't know what you need, if I don't know your goals in the air force, for the work center, right? Or just for yourself, I can't help you if, if you don't communicate with me on that. So when an airman is talking about retraining, the first question I ask is, have you talked to your supervisor about this? Being a supervisor, there's nothing worse than being blindsided by you know a retraining package or maybe a package to go guard a reserve getting up to the chief and then the chief calls you into your office and is like, Hey, uh, what's this about? And you have to say, I don't know, chief, but I'm going to find out, <laughs> you know, so that I, I definitely hound on communication and it, I think it does need to go both ways. It needs to be positive communication. It needs to have a goal at the end of it. It can't just be, you know, I, I want to be a recruiter. Okay. Well, what can we do to help you become a recruiter, right? In you, in in your, you being honor guard for so long, you know. Hey, if if you have airmen that are working for you now, and they're like, hey, I, I would like to do honor guard. What can you tell me about it? And then the two of you can work through that, right, to get them to to that point. Um, yeah, definitely. I always uh, 
Like an airman just asked me, he wants to be in uh, EO, equal opportunity yep. for the Air Force. And he asked for any advice on retraining. And I told him, let your leadership know, let your supervisor know, do not hide the fact that you want to do this retrain. Right. But when you present it to them, I want you to present it in a way where you talk about why you're passionate, that you love your current job, but because of certain life situations that you've been through, you are very passionate about this career field. Yes. You feel like it's your purpose for a career field like that. And if you angle it that way, who's going to be mad at that? Right. You know what and, I mean? And exactly. And that's, you know, when I left weapons, it wasn't that I didn't like the job. I missed my, my guys more than I can, I can say, granted, I can wear jewelry every day and not get, you know what I mean? I don't have to worry about anything, but I do miss that camaraderie that I had in the unit, but I also knew that my skills would have been, would, would be better used in a different job. And that was education and training. And now if I would not have been in that education and training job, I don't think I ever would have been a career advisor because I realized that I wanted to, well, first that I actually liked people and that I wanted to help them. And so now I can, I can do that. But like you said, it's it, um, the goal of the, of the airmen, what they want to accomplish. And then also, you know, how does that help the air force? How does that make the air force better? If you have an airman that's maintenance, let's just say, but they're going to college for communications and they want, they're talking about re retraining into some comm job why not support them? It's only going to make the Air Force better because that person wants to be in that type of job, has outside education. So the amount of knowledge that they're going to be bringing in and being able to continue to build on is just, you know, the, um, the outcome I just don't think would be negative at all. Yeah. I don't think, uh, you know, if you don't allow someone to retrain, uh, the chances of them staying in are very low. Right. Sometimes, they get, they yes. get certifications and degrees in a whole nother career field. Why on earth would right. they stay? You know, so for me personally, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm more of an admin and communicator and that's where my strengths are. Right. I am really thankful for my experience in maintenance because it was probably my weakest mm -hmm. area and I learned a lot. Right. Um, but I knew it wasn't for me forever. And mm -hmm. the retrain has is kept me in i'm a, i'm gonna stay in as long as i can now it totally changed my life and right. otherwise yeah. after six years in the air force i would have been gone mm -hmm. but instead the retrain went through i had this second opportunity in the air force and here i am you know right. 16 years yep. in um yep. trying to make the air force as best as it can be and you know none of that would have been possible without the retrain so it's super important right to find uh jobs that people are passionate about i love that definitely all right, so that brings us that brings us to number five, the fifth lesson learned from being a CAA, the impact that this role has had on your life. Yes, so I will just say that I'll put it out there. I am an introvert, um, painfully sometimes, and this job has definitely made me come out of my shell a little bit more. Um, 
I'm exhausted when I come home every day, but to me, it is 100% worth it. Um, if I can disconnect with one, one airman, big A airman, right? A day or in a counseling session or in a class, whatever that may be, then it, you know what I mean? It's worth it, but it, it does take a lot and getting up in front of people and talking right about programs, um, things that can really affect and impact their, their career in or out of the air force, because, um, we also talk about, um, informed decisions before they reenlist for their first and second time. And that information is vital for them either staying or going. If they don't know what is available to them, they might, you know, just continue to not know. And then they're, they're worse off when they get out. But um, like I said, just kind of learning on how to be, be more out there, I guess, because I'm also having to network a whole lot more, which has never really been my thing. But with all the professional development courses that we offer, I need to get knowledgeable, um, high-performing NCOs and senior NCOs to come in and talk to the people on base. And if I don't network, if I don't talk to these people, how am I supposed to know whether or not they should be briefing? And um, also having to work with wing leadership, which um, is a whole new ball game for me. And uh, my old schoolness, you know, comes out a whole lot because, you know, I see a chief, I see a colonel, I see a general, and I immediately, oh my gosh, I don't want to say anything stupid. Or I have, you know, you, you go back to your airman days and just remember never be respectful, be, be professional. And, you know, you start getting all nervous and everything. So, um, just working, working with all different people across base has definitely, um, had an impact on me for sure. <laughs> Dang, so it took your introverted nature and you realized real quick that you're going to have to, you know, flip a switch and be a little bit more extroverted. If you're going to Make yourself yes. known and your presence known, and you have to make your presence known. Otherwise, you're not going to get any airmen asking for help right. if they don't know you exist. Right, exactly. Yep. And, um, you know, we talked about in the beginning, one of my, um, or what I consider one of my, you know, biggest struggles is, is confrontation. And being that people pleaser, um, I've had a couple of airmen in my office that I've had to tell them there's there's nothing that we can do. And having to see them leave my office defeated is like the worst feeling in the world. Um, and so, you know, trying to just work with them on, hey, okay, what else can we do? Okay, let, what can we do to get you to at least your separation date? You know, what can we get to finish this and listening? What can we, what can we do so that you're not miserable? You know, Hey, what do you do on, what do you do outside of work? What do you do outside of white men? You know, what's your passions? And so working, working through saying no, but also giving options on, okay, it's a no, but 
maybe we can work on this instead. So, so yeah, it's probably gut wrenching if you see someone leave that office, you know, feeling like, yes. you know, they had a plan and now they have no plan. Yep. It, as uh, you know, as a mom, I just, <laughs> I just think if that was one of my kids and they were extremely unhappy and there's nothing that can be done. So, you know, you have to keep mama bear at bay um, and just realize that it's just, it's unfortunately not in the cards. And so you kind of have to be like a life coach in a way. I mean, really, you have to, uh, you have to keep hope alive <laughs> for sure by yeah, letting exactly. them, by letting, you know, having them realize that there's so many other options that still exist. It's just, this one didn't pan out and how to get them, yes. get their head back in the game. Yeah, and I think exactly. I think all the DSD, all the special duties have that in common where there's one of you and tons of airmen mm -hmm. all relying on you. All the, the special duties kind of have that in common with each other. And that's one thing I did not expect, you know, when I had my own special duty is the insane amount of time that I got to spend just hearing anything and everything. I mean, right. You're basically a guidance counselor in any of these uh, <laughs> in any of these special duties. You're going to be a guidance counselor um, because a lot of these airmen don't have anyone in their life they can talk to at all. Right. Yeah. So, like, sometimes it leads to some crazy places and stories, and suddenly you're just that person that is there for them in that moment. Right. It's. So I'm sure you've had that happen too. Uh, I, yes, very recently too. And it's, um, it, it you know, it, it, it eats at you. They tell you, you know, you leave work at work. Um, but when you start, you know, I, and I sat with this airman more than one time. So, you know what I mean? I, I sat with him probably for a good four hours altogether. We, um, and, and out, you know, through messages and stuff like that too, just to, keep up and just knowing the story um family situation and it just it eats you alive um <laughs> you're like okay you know what what else can we do what's another option and so you just you know try to keep working other options and um like i said it, it may be staying in the air force is not something that we can do but okay what can we do to set you up for when you when you have to separate or when you have to get out what can we do so that they're not just going off into the blue yonder, right? And all right, thanks for your thanks for your four years, thanks for your six years, good luck. That's not how it should be, at all. Um, and treating them, you know, reminding them, hey, you're a person. You're not just a number that the Air Force has. You are a person. What can I do to help that person? Well, I love that you have this job because. <laughs> you know, you kind of treat them like your, your own family is what it sounds like. And I don't think there's any bigger compliment than, you know, having someone treat you like family. I think that to me is the gold standard. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. I, I feel like they're in great hands. Uh, and, the, and the question I have is, uh, do you have any, I know I already asked what your proudest Air Force moment is, but do you have a proudest CAA moment? You know, I, I am trying to get these airmen, like I said, in my office before 
they make any any movements on their career path, right? Because I want to make sure that they're ready. And so I have been asking, hey, if you hear it, give them my information. Hey, if you hear it, give them my information. And I had an airman come in this week and I was like, hey, go ahead and take my card just in case you need to contact me. And he goes, you know what? My supervisor gave me your card and they said that I needed to talk to you. And I was like, oh my gosh, I got one, you know? And so- <laughs> You just got to keep, you know, hoping that you keep getting the one and the one and people are, you know, they're communicating, you know, what it, what it is, you know? And so I think, um, for me, I'm going to take those small little wins. And like I said, in a couple of months, maybe you can come back and ask me that question. And maybe those, those two big exception to policy letters that we're trying to push, if that, you know, they get approved and, we can set these airmen on, on a whole different path, but I just, I absolutely am. I love having this job. I 100% couldn't, wouldn't want to spend the last three years of my career doing anything else. I can say that for sure. You get, you get to be there for them <laughs> yes, in a way that nobody else can be. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been amazing. Um, I didn't think I was going to be let go from my career field because they weren't letting masters go. And so like we talked about that supervision, you know, that supervisory impact, my supervisor was like, Hey, Amanda, you put that package in, put it in. And I was like, okay. And then I was talking to my training manager leadership and they were like, Nope, you'd be perfect for that job. We're going to go ahead and talk to the career field manager. And so just knowing that I had that backing, um, made me a little bit more, um, I guess, confident and, Hey, you know what? You can do this job. Uh, you can talk to people. It's not that bad. Um, and just having that opportunity, like you said, to impact these airmen, even if it's just one, I will, I will take it. <laughs> wow. You are definitely perfect for the job. Uh, shout out to your supervision for, letting you go that's that is hard to do and it sounds like they did their job in putting the right person in the right place at the right time so i know that the airmen are in amazing hands and that's because you lead from the heart you actually care and a lot of these airmen they don't have someone who actually cares or at least they, they don't see it sometimes and i feel right. like anyone who you take in into your office and sit them down they're gonna get the Sergeant Smith Taylor treatment <laughs> and you're going to treat them, you know, like one of your own. And I think that's incredible. I think you've probably impacted and changed a lot of lives. So I'm proud of you. I'm proud to have known you. That's why I asked you to be on here because I <laughs> I've, you know, there's, you're just an awesome person. So thank you. Well, thank uh, you, Josh. I yeah, appreciate of course. It. Um, thanks for your time. And that is it folks. That's a wrap. That was the <laughs> top five lessons learned from Amanda here uh, for being the special duty of the Whiteman Air Force Base Career Assistance Advisor. All right, y'all, take care.